The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk in partnership with TheChairShot.com presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network and in association with NDPW.com. Turnbuckle Talk is sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com where you get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST. Turnbuckle Talk is also partnered with Phoenix at FNXFit.com where you get 15% off all your health supplements simply by using promo code TBTalkPod. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. Listen on Podbeam, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you catch your favorite programs. And now, pro wrestling fanatics, are you ready? Here are your hosts, Big Joe and Carl Carafel. All right, guys, no longer Big Joe. I am Mighty Joe Morn, and welcome back to Turnbuckle Talk, episode 192. Uh, to first start off, welcome back, my co-host, Carl Carafel. Welcome back to Turnbuckle Talk, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. It, uh, it feels amazing to be back. Um, lots of life crap happening right now, and just, uh, you know, I had to take some time off, so I did that, and I'm back, and that's all that matters, people. Yeah, almost a month, man. It felt a little strange not having you on the on the other podcast. And to our immediate uh, underneath us here, we have Mr. Richard Bronson Vickery from the Hitting the Marks podcast. Welcome back to Turnbuckle Talk, sir. Well, first of all, there, uh, Mighty Joe, I got to ask you, did you just call me a power bottom? Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. I, you know what? <laughs> besides, besides that there, yes, it's me, it's me. It's that art of the beat of the V. Richard Bronson Vickery back again on the TBT Turnbuckle Talk and you talk about a momentous occasion. We're, we're here to welcome back Carl. I know he's he's been he's just been ripping, raring to go to get let's you know what what he's thinking about back on the show, but just around the world of professional wrestling. Gentlemen, thank you again for having me on. Yeah, we got some fun uh, stuff in uh, store for this episode. But uh, just a brief mention uh, on a previous episode, you know, we when I it was actually when I had Jargo on, we. Um, Play a little clip and uh, what had happened, uh, Sean Connery, a uh, big death in the entertainment industry. And you know, we played the little uh, Saturday Night Live uh, clip with um, him on uh, on Jeopardy with uh, Alex Trebek. And then who would have thought, I mean, shortly after, Mr. Alex Trebek in, ended up uh, passing away uh, you know, not too long after. It just seems like these two, once that segment happened on that show, it's like these two guys just kind of came together somehow. It's just it's strange. And uh, But yeah, another unfortunate death. Um, Jeopardy was huge when we were kids, Carl. It definitely was. I mean, it was it was something that uh, was always on the television. It seemed to be that uh, there was always like six hours of just Jeopardy. It seemed, it felt like. I mean, it, there definitely wasn't, but that's how it felt, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it was just always kind of cool to sit there and kind of go, you know, uh, do I know that answer? Oh, that yeah. this is what it is, and then you know to find out, hey, I actually got it right, or uh, uh, yeah, I'm as stupid as I thought, um, <laughs> right? But I mean. Yeah, I mean, a huge part of uh, yep. our childhood, at least. And, uh, yeah, another childhood memory that uh, that we're going to have 
of uh, Alex Trebek. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of childhood memories here, guys, uh, set, it looks like for sure this time, uh, I'm going to pull up uh, the graphic here, and uh, this is going to be you know a significant uh, part of this episode. Well, of course, I, I was saying real quick, if you don't mind me jumping yeah, in. Yeah, go ahead, Rick. You know, you know, some memories here of Jeopardy. Uh, you guys talk about just your childhood. You're, you're talking about a television series you know, that goes back to the 60s. It, it's had some different it kind of revamps and all that. It's been an absolute staple, you know, especially yeah. here in the States. And for so many generations, when it comes to fine, you know, you just associate Alex Trebek with that. And what made him so unique and so great in pop culture is he absolutely was held in those regards of the intellectual because that's what he represented. Yeah. That's what the show represented inside of itself. But where a lot of times in society, you're kind of envious. You, you maybe hold some ill will towards those that, you know, that educated that, you know, that might be on the next level. What made Trebek so great is he was so humble. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was a, a, a person of the people, if you will. And that's where that connection came from. And that's why so many people are mourning and felt so connected to the great man. Yeah, definitely very relatable. And, uh, yeah, didn't, didn't uh, it all come off as that um, over-the-top kind of celebrity? You just seemed like kind of like an everyman who just happened to be hosting a, a game show. And one thing that was one thing that was really great about Trebek as well is that he was always very transparent with the audience of Jeopardy, whether it was uh, when he was diagnosed with the pancreatic cancer, whether it was him having brain surgery, whether it was you know anything, anything at all. He was always very transparent with the audience of Jeopardy, and uh, as as uh, as as Rick said there, I mean that's really where the uh, connection came in is that he opened up his life yeah. to everyone else out there in TV land that was watching him, and that's where a real relationship came from. Yep. Absolutely. And like I said, uh, you know, speaking of childhood memories and somebody who was very prominent and even beyond that, we're talking uh, The Undertaker here. And uh, to avoid getting pulled by Facebook and YouTube here, I'm just going to play a little bit of audio to go along with this graphic that we've got up here. So there we go, coming up on Sunday, November 22nd at Survivor Series, where The Undertaker debuted. It looks like we're going to have, finally, the, the farewell of The Undertaker. And uh, as the name of our episode here implies, um, that's going to be kind of the main topic of, of our show here is uh, looking back on The Undertaker and uh, and, and whatnot here. Um, I'll start with you, Carl. What, what do you think on this? Is, is this going to be... Is is Undertaker going to have a match? Is there just going to be kind of a moment? How, how do you see this kind of going down? Um, yeah, I'm seeing it as a match, a match yeah. of some sort, um, because they're able to actually do it in front of some people 
uh, right? Like, I mean, it's it's the Thunderdome, mm-hmm. but they're able to kind of do it inside the ring this time as opposed to uh, the match that really happened with AJ Styles where it was a uh, cinematography yeah. that was done. So to be able to really give The Undertaker the, uh, the send-off that he rightfully deserves, I, I think the best way to do that is, is to actually have a matchup. Um, I don't even care who it's against, to be honest with you. Just to see Taker kind of go out there and uh, roll around a little bit one more time and to give him a proper send-off, I think, is a uh, fantastic idea. Uh, for myself, uh, before I, I get your uh, thoughts on that, Rick, um, I'm a bit of a, in a different uh, school of thought uh, than you are, uh, than Carl on this one. I think that, and I, I've pitched this angle before, and it, they almost kind of did it before, but they didn't quite capitalize on it. I think that you have Undertaker come out with his classic entrance, walk out to the ring. You have him, you know, in the, in the full full gear, the hat, the gloves, the the, the coat, everything. You t- take it all off. He sets it all in the ring, in the middle of the ring, and you already have the motorcycle parked at ringside, right? You, you have that little moment. He he essentially says goodbye, steps out of the ring, gets onto the motorcycle, drives up the ramp, gets to the top of the ramp, puts up the fist, and rides off into the sunset. Just have, have that kind of moment, and I would be happy with that. What do you think, Rick? Well, I think you guys are looking too f- too much into this moment. Uh, I would like to be behind the scenes and know when they came up with this concept. Uh, this seems rather rushed to me. We're talking about one of the greatest legends inside of professional wrestling. If we're going to have an ultimate farewell here, we need a, a bigger build than just under two weeks out or two weeks from this announcement. You go back and, and we're talking about here that this is where The Undertaker debuted. Uh, I think if we're going to do anything, if we're looking at Survivor Series and what we should expect, this should actually be the announcement of the final ride of The Undertaker. Uh, what I would really love, if you really want to pop you know, pop the universe, get people excited about this thing, I'd bring in the Million Dollar Man mm. and, and, and just reenact going all the way back to you know, my mystery opponent you know, and just reenact that thing in real time have brother love. We know we got him there. He's yep. the arguably right now the blame for all the creative woes. He is there and he loves getting his fat ass out there on camera anytime he can. Just oh, yeah. you know, go ahead and put a rubber band behind his balls so his face turns that red so he can come back out here and do whatever <laughs> he's gonna do. Uh then I would actually what I think would give people chills that would really get people truly excited about this final run to WrestleMania where we should truly say goodbye to The Undertaker. Uh, You started here at Survivor Series. This begins your true road to WrestleMania here. Uh, As you go through, I said DiBiase, you have Brother Love come out there. I would love to see a hologram graphic with the bright lights, everything else darked out, with Paul Bearer in the ring saying, oh, my Undertaker. Mm. Then at that point, Give me the American Badass song. Come out okay. on the bike. Give me the American Badass from Survivor Series to the Rumble. Undertaker, let him win the Rumble and then become the dead man again on a road to WrestleMania. Wow. I know a lot of people are out there going to say, Rick, you're not creating new stars. You're, <laughs> what are you, no pun intended here, you want to bury? Guess what? The reality is they're not selling right now. You need nostalgia. You yeah. need something that's going to get people excited, that's going to put eyes on the product. And yes, a almost a career panoramic view of The Undertaker on a true last ride is absolutely going to do that. They need to invest 100% in this thing. They need to get behind that final run, if that's the case. But again, 
it's one of those things we don't know why is this why haven't we heard about this before why is it so short term this should have been long term plan this seems like a panic mode and usually when WWE does that they completely botch it so essentially your your idea is that this that this uh, actual moment isn't the end itself this is the beginning of 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 the end and that, that's interesting and you know and the the, the approach of, of building a new star i mean i think they they had that opportunity in wrestlemania 31 when he had his match with Bray Wyatt i think that that may have been an opportunity to pass up but i mean Let's be honest. I mean, who can fill the shoes of the Undertaker? I don't think there's anybody that, that could. I mean, multiple levels. We'll get that into our next topic. Actually, you know what? We might as well segue right into that. Let me pull up uh, the graphic here. We're talking about the lasting uh, legacy of, of the Undertaker. And I got to say, guys, I mean, pretty universally. I mean, there, there's some other that could, uh, there's some others that, that you could say this about. But I mean, I don't think I've ever really heard anybody say a bad thing about this man, you know, whether it be the entertainer, whether it be Mark Calloway, his actual name. I mean, th- this is a guy that's respected by every single person. I mean, that is rare. Gotta be rare in wrestling. Yeah. I've, I've never heard of anybody saying any, any negativity towards, uh, you know, the person or the character it's itself. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've watched the uh, the the like five part series that WWE did on the Undertaker, now I know that the WWE is going to kind of sway it and influence it, you know, in in the direction that they wanted to go. But they they really spoke about how he was just kind of there for a while, and then it, it like something just kind of clicked, and he became that locker room leader. Um, he became almost like that. Uh, uh, like that father figure uh, within the company that everybody just kind of gravitated towards because they they knew what he could do. The under he understands the business and and he's able to just kind of um, be there and 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 help. And um, I mean, yeah, it's just really something that 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 everyone gravitated towards. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I. I uh, I I haven't heard anybody say anything anything bad, and and I think that that's the reason why. Well, I've always been really amazed with him, you know, and I think especially in the the WrestleMania win streak, is that he always has the unique ability to take the, these moments that are obviously uh, meant to showcase him, but he's still able to put over the, his opponent every single time, I and mean, even in those moments that should be for him, I mean, he's so selfless that he was able to just say, you know what, the, 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 I could steal all the glory myself here, but I'm going to put over, whether it be Jeff Hardy, whether it be Batista, whether it be somebody like that. Uh, he just has that unique ability that, you know, as big of a star as the Undertaker is, he'd be like, you know what, I'll, I'll step aside and I'll let, and I'll, I'll make them look even better than me. It's uh, that, that's uh, for me, that was one of the really cool things about the Undertaker is he was able to make his opponents look fantastic. Well, I want to ask you, gentlemen, this. Who's going to have the cojones to step up to the Undertaker and tell him he's wrong or going to try to put him right. in his place? Uh, you, you said that you've never heard anyone say anything bad. Well, I'm sure back in the day, you know, the click, Shawn Michaels and all them, when they are making their power plays, you know, making their moves, moving their chess pieces around, they're not the biggest fans of the Undertaker. But in no way, even years beyond that, is, you know, now that we develop all these, you know, the shoot interview styles and all of that, they're absolutely they're not going to cross that line talking to any you know ill will about the dead man but you, you talk about personalities inside of that business and, and mark holloway is one of those where he just demands that he demands your respect 
uh, just because of the vibe that he brings to it. You know, it reminds me so much of, you know, over on Hami Media Group, Ben Hami, uh, an individual when he, you know, when he's talking with other talents, he is a leader. And that's on that and that higher level, you know, that ultimate, that top dog, that is what The Undertaker brought to the table. And that's why you don't see any of that. Now, you know, when he comes into WWE back in the day, WWF then, you know, he is seen as that big attraction. To Vince, he was in early on that you can go and you, this is referenced by people that were there. If it's Cornette, it's Pritchard. Those that were behind the scenes have so many interviews that you can verify this with. He was, you know, that mid card. We can depend on people are going to come see him because the gimmick is just so incredible. And he bought into that. He knew his role there and he knew what he could do with that. The most important thing he did in his career is when they did look to him and say, we are struggling, we are down and out, uh, next generation, whatever that be, the steroid scandal, they had to go to him. Yeah. And when he absolutely took that ball, he took it to the end zone 100%. Seized the opportunity and took it to the next level. And he always demanded the the, the best and the, the most out of, out of his opponents. I mean, there was never, you're not going to have like an easy kind of coasting through match with the Undertaker. He always demanded that you be at your best. And when you, you met his expectation and, and you met and you did good with him. I mean, he was the first to, like I mentioned, uh, Jeff Hardy. Uh, you, you just look at that. You know, he got the respect of the Undertaker. John Cena, another example uh, of, of guys where, you know, just he asked them to step up and then they did. And then he would be the first one to be like, you know what? Damn, that was good. You, you, you did good, kid. You know, that, that that's the, the amazing thing about him. Uh, he got them to step it up and then he rewarded them for doing so. Well, and a lot of that comes to you look at the respect uh, of where he learned the business going to the territory yeah. days, uh, you know, Texas, Deep South, all of that where he came up, you know, that's what was instilled in you. He learned the business the right way. Yeah. Let me just ask a, a, a just a brief kind of a bigger question regarding him. You know, I'd asked this, I think, uh, with uh, Jargo previously, you know, will there ever be somebody like Andre the Giant again? I think we pretty universally agreed, you know, no, that there's never going to be like anybody like Andre. Is there going to really be anybody like The Undertaker ever again? I, I, I think, you know, we're not maybe quite in the same realm as Andre the Giant, but I mean, I don't think anybody's going to ever kind of feel that kind of persona. You know, I've mentioned, you know, potentially passing the torch Why? like Bray Wyatt or something like that. But Why? Why can't there be? I'm just wondering, like, uh, then, then that's the, the question here. Do you think that there, that there can be somebody well, uh, potentially? Same, you know, I, I'll give the same answer. I'm to cut you off there, Carl. Uh, it's the same. It's the same answer I'll give to individuals that say the kayfabe is absolutely dead. Mm-hmm. It's only it, the answer is no, only because you accept it and you think it is that way. You can let things yeah. evolve. Sure. You know, there could have been time. Could there ever been another Hulkamania? People like, oh, you know, people in the early '90s. No one's ever going to touch that. And, and then you could, then you, we find a stone cold. Hollywood invents himself. We, we have a rock. When, when you let your expectations go, you think outside of that box. Yes, you can be free to accept a new star and you can help that individual rise to that next level. I've been on the show with you guys before. Carl and I have agreed on this thing. A lot of the problem with the growth inside of professional wrestling is because of the fans handcuffing their <laughs> expectations. That's true. If you embrace it, if you can truly embrace the pure essence of this business and, and you can ride along with it, it's fine when we step aside and have conversations like this, but when you're there in that moment and you're sharing that with others, especially those on the outside, if you can project that excitement, if you can bring this business, the excitement, everything that it's about to that next level, it's going to snowball. 
as we say, there can't ever be another one. Well, maybe we don't need an, a, a carbon copy, but yes, there can be someone of that excitement. There's some be a draw of that level. It's up to us to accept that challenge and elevate someone there. I mean, just like in sports, you know, we say, you know, somebody sets some kind of record, like, oh, well, that record will never be broken. Well, I mean, records are made to be broken. So uh, kind of in that same vein, you know, we're saying maybe they're we're saying, hey, there's not going to be another Undertaker, but we really don't know. Eventually, there could be somebody that, uh, you know, maybe doesn't fill that role exactly. You're saying uh, they're Rick, but I mean, somebody that could be kind of in that same realm. Uh, I think you would pretty much agree, eh, Carl? Well, I, I know that you saw me kind of shaking my head mm. there a little bit when, uh, you know, you were you were asking, you know, could there be another Undertaker? Yep. You know, I, I was I was shaking my head because I'm, I'm thinking, w- what are you actually meaning here? Are you meaning uh, Undertaker, the character, uh, Undertaker, the person? as Mark Calloway locker room leader type of, of person. And, and, and I think, I think kind of right now, what you're meaning is, uh, is the character itself. Um, not necessarily the backstage person, uh, uh, so to speak, but yeah, I mean for the character, just like Rick said, I mean, it, characters are developed all the time. And, and, and if fans get behind that character, definitely, there can be somebody, you know, like The Undertaker um, or that type of a an excitement mm-hmm. for that character can definitely be there again. Um, before all of this, you know, COVID shit that was going on, uh, you know, and, and over the past couple of years, we kind of saw Bray Wyatt with that little bit of kind of. Uh, so just as you've mentioned, you know, kind of yep. that torch pass, whatever, uh, that really never came to fruition, but didn't need to because Bray Wyatt kind of is carving his own path to kind of become that big type of star like The Undertaker. Um, Will we ever have somebody that is a full encompassment of character and person? Probably. But not to this caliber, I don't think. Um, it just seems like Mark was was just a very different type of person, a very old school, n- yeah. no pun intended, but a very old school type of type of guy. Uh, as Rick mentioned, came up through uh, you know territory days and territory circuits, and and really knew the business because of that and we really don't have very much of that now today today independent wrestling stars or independent wrestlers are just kind of going wherever they can get a booking and they're not really um loyal to one area i guess you could say right they're they're going to get wherever they can get work is pretty much what it is right now back then the territory days you you were you were in that territory you were in that territory for six eight months a year whatever right and then okay yeah you're needed over there okay let's work out a deal between you know these promoters and let's get you over there for a bit that really doesn't happen nowadays so so all of that is kind of lost on um the new independent people that are coming up in the business which 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 sucks which is really sad because that was a uh, a huge fundamental piece of growing and learning as a professional wrestler um so we will at some point have somebody the caliber of the undertaker sure we will at some point have somebody the caliber of mark calloway Mm -hmm. definitely we will 
it's bound to happen. You you take a look through the years of any sport, you've always got you know those those top stars that are there. Uh, you know whether it was you know I'm going to use Babe Ruth as an example, right? Mm. You you got that name Babe Ruth. He was you know, and then you you go up from there, and then you've got you know the next name, and then the next name, and then the next name, and it's always going to continue. It's just a matter of now who's it going to be. Well, Carl, sure. you've been inside the ring and mm-hmm. you've worked all different levels here. You've you've said on this show a couple of times, you know, you've left work just on a lunch break to go take a book <laughs> and to go in there and, and jump in a battle royal or something like that. Yeah. As we're talking about someone on the level of an undertaker, and, and we do talk, you know, every everyone says a gimmick could never work like that today. That might be the problem with the Bray why everyone's too, you know, in tune with everything going. Isn't it to the individual, to the talent? to absolutely buy into that and make a hundred percent out of that. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe you can share what's on some <laughs> moment where, you know, they asked you to do something where you kind of cringed for a moment, took a step back and you said, you know what? I might not like this, you know, the, the first pitch, but let me go knock it out of the park. So, so to answer that question, I, um, the original XFL, Okay, I was a fan of the team Rage. Loved the team, loved the logo. Have a, I still have one of the the XFL original hats with the Rage logo on it and everything. So I was I was asked when I when I came in to uh, be Rage. That was that was gonna be my name, Rage. And I'm like, okay. but WCW has Rage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how am I gonna be able to like I I can't do this. And then the promoter was like, nope, you're rage. That's it. You're rage. So I'm like, okay, like I gotta, I gotta really think about things here. Um, so I, I, I went out and, and I, and I got like this whole new outfit for me. Um, the, the, the pants that I had were kind of like, uh, not, not tearaway pants, but, uh, they, they, they were kind of like that, that metallic type of material, but they were a little bigger. They were, they were kind of like a, a Matt and Jeff Hardy type of style pants that they used to wear. And, uh, I, that's how I would go out there. And, uh, I, I really like, I built into that character by, um, having the mindset of, I have to be rage. So I, I I can't be the you know the happy go lucky person that I am usually. I have to be rage, and and, and it was a hard, really hard transition to be able to go from uh, you know who I am am normally to to kind of go into that character. But you have to buy into that character. You have to become that for it to get over with people. And uh, I, I guess I got it over enough that uh, that I, I actually became uh, you know. It, it, uh, tag team champion uh with that character rage so it was like well okay i guess i guess i did a little bit something right with this but uh, definitely you have to you have to really drive that character you can't just kind of go out there and, and and be like ah this is shit i'm not doing this and okay yeah i'm rage yeah okay uh let's just do the match type of thing you, you really have to drive it home that y- that that is you out in front of those people Absolutely. When you're backstage, you can be yourself. But when you're in front of that crowd and in front of those people and in front of those fans, you have to be that character. Absolutely. Well, when you were talking about them tearaway pants, so I thought you were going to lead to you were going to rip your pants off and you had a thong on <laughs> with a heart on and you became, oh, you became, no. the, you became oh. the ranger. I was like, oh. what kind of promotion are you running here? Oh, geez, oh, no. No, no, no. 
All right, guys. Well, on that note, uh, before we uh, we're going to talk a little bit non Undertaker stuff, but uh, we're going to take a brief break and uh, let's hear from our friends over at CollarNoblebrand.com. Fall is in the air. That means pumpkin spice lattes. That means pumpkin spice everything. Ugg boots, yoga pants. God, I hope I can fit into mine this season. Scarves. And baseball tees. Hoodie. Not yet, but soon. The metal tee. No need for any cease and desist here. And hats. Stop by CollarAndElbowBrand.com today and get your fall drop immediately. It's fall, y'all. CollarAndElbowBrand.com You'll be the coolest person in Starbucks whether you're wearing yoga pants and Ugg boots or not. In fact, I like to go to Starbucks without the bottoms on all the time and just wear my Collar and Elbow Brand type shirts. I immediately get my coffee and go. So there we go. Uh, a little word from our friends over at CollarandElbowBrand.com. And as you can see on the ticker below, use the promo code JKPODCAST and uh, you can get 10% off your entire order at the checkout there. So a pretty good deal. I just have to say, I absolutely love Al Snow. Like, mm-hmm. he just... It, it, talking about getting right. into that character, Al Snow does that. Mm-hmm. And and even in these yeah. promos that he does for Color and Elbow brand, like, he, he embodies just the entire brand. I mean, it's his brand, so definitely you have to embody it, right? Yep. But, like, he just... He goes out there and he, he understands the people and he's talking about, you know, the products and then he puts a little bit of humor in there just to kind of give people a little bit of chuckle, a little bit of a smile on their face and then and then they remember, hey, Al Snow made me smile. Colorandelbowbrand.com. Yeah. Awesome. Right? Like, he, Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I, I will give you talk about an individual that's had to embrace so many different gimmicks, just trying to to get noticed there. Uh, and then finally, you know, just that breakthrough with the head gimmick <laughs> in yeah. ECW. And even before right? you know, the, yeah. the Avatar or whatever it was, or Leaf Cassidy. Yep. But he might be setting himself up there for a lawsuit, encouraging people to go into Starbucks without pants on. It. <laughs> you know, if we ever get him on the on the podcast, we we're definitely going to ask him about that. Bring your own stir. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys, let's talk a little AEW here. It's actually been a while since we've kind of broken down and then talked about a, a pay-per-view event that's happened. But, uh, you know, I got to actually sit down and kind of check this out this weekend and uh, just kind of overall thoughts uh, before we uh, go through some highlights here. Let's start with uh, you, Carl. Uh, what did you think of the show? I was able only to catch a little bit of the show right now. Yep. Um, I do I do have it uh, that I, I will be watching the entire thing. Um soon Mm -hmm. uh but i mean to 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 kind of give my thoughts like i mean i think that there people are really crapping on on aew lately uh you know just talking about oh they're just a uh you know they're they're, they talked about they're just going to be wrestling and now they're doing more entertainment and and blah 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 i mean you kind of have to go with what the people are are looking for right and and aew uh, is giving a mix of of both things right now um so i mean yeah they kind of went back on their word a little bit uh but to go along with that i mean the the, the production that they've been doing is has just been been great and i i've been loving that at least i mean coming in to start 
the pay-per-view just the the the, the little promo that they had at the beginning mm-hmm. uh it drew me in it really did and i was like man this is this is really great and then just even the little vignette promos that they're doing in between the matches so like with uh with darby allen and uh cody um, just that little little stuff that they've been doing and those little vignettes have really kind of kind of built things for me and, and drew me in. So I, I'm very interested to see the uh, the rest of the pay-per-view. But so far from what I've seen, I've been happy with it. I, I thought it, it was decently done. Yeah, for, for myself, before I throw over to you, Rick, um, just in general, I, I mean, I thought they did a pretty good job. I mean, there, there's definitely some uh, matches, and on, uh, we'll get to them, a few of them where I could kind of critique them a little bit. Um, at the beginning, you know, that, that first match, I felt, uh, kind of felt like maybe they did maybe just a little too much, and it kind of, you know, we ran out of steam kind of, and it was a long show, too. I, I think these guys are, are kind of getting to WWE kind of territory. The shows are getting a little long. I think trimming down to about three hours and maybe a little bit less um, would um, definitely help. But, I mean, I, I thought that they did good overall, but we'll get into the kind of the details. Uh, what did you think just kind of in general on this one, Rick? What's well, really interesting you say there, Joe, when you, when you mention the comparison between the length of a show to a WWE I don't really think that's fair because, you know, with WWE, they're looking at watchable content hours through their network. That's why they extend theirs. I think when you get to the case here with AEW, they might be, and this is no pun intended, they're looking for that bang for the buck. I think, you know, if we're we're asking more of that traditional style pay-per-view, if you're going to fork out, I don't know what the cost was on this thing with $34, $45, $50, whatever it might have been. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to make sure you're getting your values worth. Uh, To me, Again, we got nine matches on this thing. I can run through this card and cut this thing down to five. Yeah. Get this thing to two and a half, three hours tops. Then people feel they got not just they got their value for it, they're wanting more. When you have these extended cards like this, and it seems that this is the same MO song and dance, you know, change the record each and every time out here. Give us less so we want more. And that is a problem. Yeah. You get to the main event here with Mox and uh Kingston, uh, you're almost drained at that point. So when they switch up them styles, you're not just you're not as invested there. You know, it's one of the things that was always so beautiful about takeovers. You know, you got two and a half. You're excited for that. And at the end of it, you can't believe it's over. You're waiting for the next one. You want to tune in to see where things are going forward. That's overall my overall take. I I could go on for another hour with issues (laughs) I had with AEW. Uh, But inside this, I thought that. Overall, they did some tremendous business, and I know we're going to get to some of those matches. And just uh, for, for times of matches, too, like it's, uh, you know, like we were looking at uh, Omega and Page, we're looking at almost 17 minutes. Uh, Darby and Cody, uh, 17 minutes. Uh, uh, the women's match, almost 15 minutes. Um, the, the, the tag match, nearly 30 minutes. Uh, MJF and Jericho, almost 17 minutes. Like, just it, it's. It, you need to, to kind of balance it out there with a, a few shorter matches. Uh, like you had mentioned, Ricky almost kind of ran out of steam at, at the end there. And that's definitely how I felt you know, by the time I got to the main event. I was just like, oh, okay, you know, is this done yet? You know, nothing against the both both guys. Uh, they, they did a good job in there. But by then you're just here running out of steam, right? But uh, let, let's touch, uh, touch on some of the main matches here. Uh, first off, uh, Omega and, uh, and Adam Page. Um, it looks like... Um, Omega is going to get that uh, title opportunity versus uh, John Moxley coming up. Uh, what do you think? Um, is that the good choice, or should we have maybe given uh, Hangman the rub there? You uh, go, go ahead, uh, Carl. Um, 
yeah, I, I honestly, personally, I, I would have loved to have seen it go to Hangman. Um, just because we're, we're seeing this this whole thing with uh, with Omega kind of going back to the cleaner gimmick and, and what have you, right? So, I mean, there's so much more that you could do with Omega. Um, so I, I think that, that uh, Adam Page has really um, built himself to, to the point where this is, this is good for him. And, and, and I really wish that uh, it would have gone to Hangman Page as opposed to uh, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is, is a star on his own. He definitely is. He doesn't need this. Um, I mean, he's done, he's done so much that, that, you know, people know who he is. And, and I, I, I can kind of see, you know, in, in that same aspect that, you know, because people know who he is, that this is a good idea, but I don't know. I just, I, I would have rather seen it go to, uh, to page instead of, uh, instead of Omega. For myself, uh, I like going with, uh, with Omega and, uh, I like that they're kind of, I'm, I'm hoping that they can go a little bit further and kind of make him a, a bad guy, uh, just because I I feel that uh, the the face Kenny Omega hasn't really worked here in North America, but uh, I think that they need to make him a bad guy and kind of go over the top with it. But uh, I, I like the uh, progressing of the uh, the storyline with him and Moxley. I think that they can do quite a bit there. What do you think, Rick? Uh, two sides on this. I'll start with Hangman. One of the biggest failures that AEW has had as a company is how they have misfired in building a star in yeah. Adam Hangman Page. Yeah. Uh, really, from the get go, you know, at the uh, the very announcement of the company, him coming out there, setting his intentions for the championship. I get falling short there, but just a few months ago, when people are rallying behind him, drink my beer, Hangman. I mean, you have a grassroots. We're talking about. Can there be another? You almost had that fire under his ass of a stone cold yep. as character, and they have completely botched that by making him almost a stumbling drunk buffoon instead of someone that braces it. I'll have my beer, but I'm going out there and whoop some ass. You got to watch out for me. If you look at, we can we can line up a list of failures here, things they've done wrong in AEW. I would put that at the top here. Yeah, I mean. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Rick, but I mean, yeah, that cowboy shit was over and, uh, for lack of a better term. And, uh, yeah, they definitely missed opportunity there where you could have had, damn, you could have had something big with them there. And I mean, not, not a hope is lost yet. Maybe they can, uh, write that ship there, but uh, I agree. Uh, definitely, a, a ball drop, uh, so far with him. Absolutely. And, and when it comes to Omega, I will disagree with Carl on something here saying that he was, that he was recognizable. He was over. I think that was one of the biggest, that's another mistake this company has made. Believing that that was true, Omega was not known or recognized by the West. Him coming yeah. in and and just being himself, going out there, the best bout machine, if you will, just going out there and doing 30, 45, 60 because he can, that did not translate. Right yeah. now, you have to establish character. Who is Kenny Omega? If you do believe he is the best bout machine, if you do believe he can go out there and put on performance like no one else in this world, that does not matter until we can invest in that persona you have to you have to highlight the cleaner. I will give them credit. We are seeing that now, but that's going to be a building process. This entire tournament inside of itself, this match inside of itself, through this whole tournament, we all this is what we were expecting. Yep. Was anyone buying this pay-per-view full gear because this was going to happen here? To me, this is a match you could have cut and main evented this thing on a dynamite to help boost your ratings. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Uh, next one uh, I think is a, 
worth noting here, we had uh, Darby Allen uh, defeating Cody Rhodes for the AEW TNT Championship. Um, I like putting the the title on Darby, but I, I, I thought that we kind of changed a little soon on that. But uh, but I, I I think that the time was kind of right. I mean, uh, this guy is one of the most over in the company and i mean the, the fans really latch on to derby so i, I like that they're they, they've put the the television title on him and then i i think that you really kind of you push that now you make him the face of tnt as uh, they've been kind of uh, promoting I, I i like that angle just going all in with it i do too to be honest do do i think that it was too soon i don't think so I don't think that it was at all. I think that it was a uh, it was a good transition. Uh, you know, yeah. you had Cody kind of come in and uh, reclaim that championship, and uh, you know, just kind of go, "Hey, see, I told you, I'm the best." And then, you know, this everybody always says one of the biggest issues with AEW is that they keep promoting and giving championships to the management. Yeah. Right? Carl, Carl, real quick while you're on yeah. that thought. Uh, do you think maybe that this was a network decision uh, to pivot to somebody like Darby uh, for maybe more marketing intensive purposes? Like instead yeah. of him going yeah. over the Dark Order in that transition, let's put it back on Cody. Let that move be made for him. Do you see something along that lines? I, I definitely I do. A hundred percent I do. Um, is You see that the, 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 there was kind of another thing that I was going to get into here is is could you really have seen Darby Allen beat everyone from the Dark Order yeah. to be able to take that championship? Probably no. Not. no. But could you believe that Cody Rhodes could? Yes. Yeah. Right? So now you've taken that championship and you put it onto Cody. And now is Darby Allen's time. And Darby Allen can go out there. And we know he can work. We know that he's going to be a, a huge star in time. Definitely. He's proven it time and time again inside that ring. He knows how to work. He can do it. Whether it's a, whether it's a, uh, like an extreme match or whether it's just a wrestling match, he can do it. And now you've given him the championship. Now I hope that they do good things with this. Mm -hmm. I really do. But I personally could not have seen him take on the entire dark order no. to win that championship. But can I see him taking on Cody and winning that? Definitely. I could for sure. Right. So yeah, it, 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 that was the perfect way to do that. I think. And uh network move. Definitely. It was to be able to capitalize on Darby Allen merchandise, Darby Allen, the name itself. You've now got an opportunity to, to, to flood the market with new skateboards. With Darby Allen all over well, it, well, like no, just, everything. Well, the reason I asked you, I, I do love how you bring that up there. It was a tremendous catch there, Carl. You could see him just going down a, a traditional, you know, respect fight with Cody instead of, I mean, how many skateboards could you break over the heads of the Dark Order? You know, <laughs> yeah. just little Darby yeah. at, a, at a soaking wet 150 pounds taking on this entire right. army here. That's the right transition. But, you know, the reason I ask you there, you know, where my mind's going, pressure life in marketing here. Dynamite is under the TNT drama, but let's look big picture here. You've also got TBS, who is big into esports. And if you're looking at growing must-see television that people need to tune into, esport is obviously growing. You can use that across both of your networks, any of your networks. You could get into things if you could try to get into that X game market, those extreme games with your crossover. 
that's that young demographic that they are trying to reach out towards. One of the biggest issues with, you know, even NXT and AEW right now is we see these numbers kind of staggering. They're not doing anything to grow a wrestling audience. You take somebody like a Darby that is relatable, who looks cool, that is out there, who does those things that those outsiders are doing that could draw them in. He is an absolute marketing darling right now for them. And if the networks can jump on that thing, he's rock, you know, rocking that beautiful TNT championship. Yep. They can parlay it into, you know, working that with esports on on TBS, or if they can try to get some of those extreme sports, those X game styles on any of their networks, you've got a home run. One thing too that I'd like to see with him while he's on this uh, television title run is dial back the high octane offense a little bit like this. I know he doesn't do it maybe quite as much anymore. The, the gang tossed through the turnbuckle and taking the spill on the floor and, and a lot of these uh, like coffin drops to the apron and stuff like that. Just while you're doing, while you have this run as, as this champion, just dial it back a little bit so that you can, and I, I think the networks might get on, the network might get them on this for a little bit too, to just dial it back a little bit, bro. And, and just, you know, so that we can have a run here instead of risking high. Cause I mean, you just, you look at his repertoire moves. I mean, a lot of it is just like, wow, dude, like how did you not almost die on that? So, you know, just to, to just dial it back a little bit less is more. And, uh, you know, Joe, we Joe, can have something significant. The entire business right now. <laughs> right? Everybody is more. a pullback. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's talk about the uh, the next match here. We're talking the the women's match, uh, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose, and uh, Hikaru Shida getting yeah, the win. That, over- that wasn't the women's match. The women's match was on the pre-show, so you can move on. This match sucked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just briefly, because <laughs> uh, this is the, the main match that I want to criticize. My issue here is. I think partially because Nyla is the only big one in this division. And it just, it, it's, you see Hikaru Shia doing stuff to, to Nyla Rose. It just, it's like, this is like cartoon stuff, right? We're seeing suplexes and uh, chucking her around and stuff like that. Just, it's, it, it's, I can suspend disbelief to a certain degree. But this, uh, I mean, when you look at the two, I mean, Nyla should have just destroyed this girl. But it kind of was like 50 50. Uh, just, it, it's, I couldn't believe or really kind of get into this match. So, and like Rick had mentioned, you know, the, the, the pre-show match with Serena Deeb and Allison K, that was the women's match for the evening. And unfortunately I haven't had a chance to see that match. I'm going to have to go out of my way to actually check that out because uh, Serena Deeb is absolutely fantastic. There is, you know, right now, you know, arguably Deeb is the, I mean, hot in a physical sense. Yeah, they're very beautiful. Uh, you know, when it comes to talent wise, and know she is the hottest thing going in women's wrestling right now uh, across the globe. Yeah, uh, tremendous ties to the Hameen Media Group, trained by Rip Rogers, who you can actually you can head to the uh, the Hameen Patreon, the Rip Rogers Patreon. You can get some tremendous insight from the man, the hustler himself. Yeah, uh, you can pick up those things. Hameen Media Group. I, I did want to ask you one of the things here that we see the the NWA Women's World Champion here. Uh, we, we've seen different competitors across the board joining NWA. Tony Khan seems to be kind of moving in this mafia godfather sort of deal <laughs> where he's working with these other ones. I, while we were talking a, you know, AEW here, I just want to throw out to you guys potential of us seeing one of those big unified cards, you know, like we used to see in territory mm-hmm. days where people yeah. were battling the, the WWF. I mean, we even had Don Callis uh, calling uh, Kenny's match. Uh, I thought that was yes. fantastic. And w- what I like is that they're not afraid, you know, to mention the names of the other promotions, with the exception of the, of the WWE. So um, I, I like that that approach. And um, to, 
I always love hearing Don Callis on commentary. He's awesome. Well, and yeah, he's a and Canadian. They just too. also, you know, they also said since Harold's out over in New Japan, they would love to open up those conversations again. Yeah, absolutely. I think that yeah. is uh, definitely a smart move. Okay, I let's definitely love that idea, and yeah. and especially to 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 be using you know talent um, across the entire board. Whether it's yep. talent in the ring that works, whether it's somebody on commentary like Don Callis. I mean, and, and as Joe said, you know, if you haven't seen that or, or didn't hear um, after that, after Don Callis, uh, you know, kind of took off the headset or what I was getting ready to leave, you heard JR say, thank you so much. It was great having you here. Good luck with everything over in Impact. And it was like, whoa. Right. Okay, nice. I'm kind of digging this right now. They're not afraid to be able to uh, help build those other companies, too, because why not? This is professional wrestling. I understand (laughs) that, you know, maybe there's the top company and then the second company and that there might be, you know, whatever. There shouldn't be, though. Because it's yeah. all professional wrestling, and let's just help each other out and make professional wrestling great again. For sure. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> so I, I love that, though. Carl, Carl would have popped me there. It was me that note that I had on it. Uh, it was when JR was saying goodbye to Callis there, that he, if he just would have clarified, JR did not shoot Bravo. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have been awesome. <laughs> if, if people would have got that inside joke, you know, that would have just been, you know, tremendous there. That was one of the first things that popped in my yeah. mind. Oh, yes. All right. Well, let's uh, let's blow through uh, some more of these matches. I mean, we could spend hours uh, kind of breaking down this card. And we're almost getting near the hour point now. And we're well, you just go through the them then. Yeah. Just go through them and give us uh, the winners. That's all. Okay. So uh, we had the Young Bucks defeating uh, FTR for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Uh, actually, a fantastic uh, tag team match, by the way. Make sure and check that one out. Uh, Matt Hardy defeating Sammy Guevara in another one of these uh, deletion matches. I mean, this is kind of typical. We've seen this match several times now, doing the usual kind of uh, shtick and gimmicks there. Um, MJF defeating Chris Jericho. So now him and Warlow are part of the inner circle. So interesting to see what will happen there. And John Moxley getting Eddie Kingston to quit for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. That, that was a, a good, solid match. But as I mentioned uh, earlier, over that point, I think a lot of people were kind of getting a little uh, winded uh, with the show. But uh, not to take anything away from the match, I think if I were to watch it separately, uh, it would be uh, kind of good to stand alone on itself there. They did some pretty crazy stuff in that match. So so overall, pretty good show, but uh, kind of some up, ups and downs there for sure. All right, so I, I, I could jump in, Carl, real quick. I, yeah, go ahead, Rick. I can go with mine. Uh, you know, just the main event itself, uh, a little too indie at times. And again, you, you're just, yep. you're drawn out. You're tired here. I think probably the biggest thing coming out of this entire show, which which strikes my interest, and I've kind of been on the scenes going back to the Monday locker room a couple weeks ago talking with uh, Ben Hameen and, and Dr. Ted McDaler, is the direction here of Jericho, MJF, everything that's going on. What I think is very beautiful about this. Happy birthday to Chris Jericho. He turns 50 <laughs> years old. Uh, he is no longer a part of the the people that worship him. He is he is not a part of that, that demo that he is the god of. I, I think they could do something absolutely magnificent, truly brilliant with Chris Jericho entering a midlife crisis where he's still trying to be that young go-getter and all this. And, you know, and, but now he's 50. They don't like know if idea. they trust him. I think, you know, how magnificent Jericho has been in this heel tweener role. He could be even bigger as that big next boom as a baby with that sympathy that now he's over the hill trying to hold on. 
and just not in a baby sense, I think you could really, when we look at the demographics, when you look at, you know, you break down who's watching AEW, who's watching NXT, who's watching WWE, really, it is that older demographic. So now you could have Chris, who's been bashing them, have to transition back to them and almost create in this alternative universe what you had with Bret Hart so many years ago where it was the world versus the U.S. You could have Jericho dividing this millennial versus older demographic. I think he's the man to pull it off. I think it'd be pure brilliance. Yeah, I like that idea. All right, let's take a brief look at some New Japan stuff here, guys. I'm going to pull up. Uh... Carl, get his last. Name. Oh yeah, go ahead, Carl. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry I mean to cut I you mean, off. I, there. I, I haven't, I haven't finished watching the uh, yeah. the show yet. So I mean, I got up to. I haven't even seen the uh, Hikaru Shida match. I got up to uh, Darby Allen, Cody Rhodes. Yep. So everything else from that, I, I really can't comment on because I haven't seen it. Uh, I, I think maybe the only thing that I, I can comment on is: Do I want to see the uh, the Elite Deletion match? No, I don't think so because. I've seen how many of them, and I really don't care. Um, MJF and uh, Chris Jericho, I mean... I like both guys, so cool. Let me take a look at it, and uh, as you kind of said, uh, you know, maybe taking a look separately at the matches might make a, a, a big difference in uh, yeah. how I'm viewing them. So that's probably what I will do: is I will kind of break it up into uh, sections to be able to finish watching everything, so that I'm not getting overwhelmed with a nearly four-hour pay-per-view. Yeah. All right, so now let's uh, switch over to some New Japan stuff here, guys, uh, to just uh, briefly kind of go through uh, what's coming up here. Uh, Best of Super Juniors Tournament. Now, uh, typically this is uh, done in uh, multiple blocks, actually, typically two. We usually have 20 competitors um, in the Best of Super Juniors, but, I mean, due to, to COVID-19 and travel restrictions, we only got 10 this year, so. But it, it, uh, it does look interesting. We have uh, Reisuke Taguchi, Master Wado, uh, one of Jargo's personal favorites, Sho, Robbie Eagles, Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, El Desperado, Yoshinubu Kanemaru, Duki, and Taichi Ishimori. Uh, some interesting names here, and um, just kind of overall, um, in the interest of time here with this tournament, I'm looking for Hiromu to take this thing, and uh, I think it. Uh, they could uh, use that to set something up uh, interesting for uh, Wrestle Kingdom. What that is, I'm not quite sure, but uh, he would be my uh, pick to take this whole tournament. I think uh, he's due for um, a significant push because, I mean, man, he's popular over there, and I think they need to capitalize on that moment. What do you think, Carl? Ishimori. That's wow. uh, that's that's going to be my pick. Um, why not? Let's just go with uh, Ishimori. Um, yeah. Carl? Why? Carl Hulk the, Hogan. That's Carl, why. Carl with the dark horse pick as usual with the New Japan stuff. What do you think, Rick? Well, say you're going to do my plead the fifth on a pick here. Just real quick, though. You know, this is time of year where we focus in on the juniors over there in New Japan. This is their time to shine. But I do want to say, you know, through everything through, you know, dealing with COVID and not bringing the bring in the regular talent going back to the King of Pro Wrestling, yep. where they had to, you know truly utilize a lot of these junior talents i thought a magnificent job and if we've ever if you could ever been more excited and i especially love this new format this is faster this is higher pace what you expect from the juniors this is something where again it's usually not my style i love the new format this formula i'm going to be tuning in for it looking to see what they come they come out with it Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, in the interest of time, I mean, we were talking briefly before the broadcast. There wasn't a whole lot of breaking news. So we're going to go right to our match of the week segment. Here we go, guys. (laughs) 
And uh, since the episode is um, coined the Undertaker special uh, for our match of the week here, we're going to give our picks for our favorite Undertaker matches of all time. Uh, since Carl is my returning co-host, I will give you the uh, the first uh, pick here, Carl. What is your favorite Undertaker match of all time? And I hope you don't pick mine. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think that anybody's going to pick this, but uh, I'm going all the way back to 1997. Okay, good. Um, (laughs) Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Now, everybody knows that I'm a huge Shawn Michaels mark. I've absolutely loved Shawn Michaels my entire professional wrestling life. I definitely have. But I'm not picking it because of that. I'm picking it because of the buildup to everything to culminate into the very first Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at mm. Bad Blood in Your House 1997. The buildup for this was just fantastic with Shawn Michaels costing The Undertaker the belt as he went and battled Bret Hart. Uh, they met at Ground Zero in Your House to set up this incredible match at Bad Blood in Your House. Again, first Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, like I just nice. uh, for me, that's that's it right there. Two of the two of the two of my favorites, two of the greatest in a matchup that was different and innovative, and uh, the first. And uh, two of my favorite guys were the first. Interesting that you picked that one because uh, I have one that's going to coincide very nicely. But I'll, I'll uh, save mine for last, and I'm going to let uh, Rick have the, the second pick here, uh, Mister Richard Bronson Vickery. What is your favorite Undertaker match of all time, sir? Well, I can't believe you keep still including me, though, because you know I never give you a match when I come on the show, and I'm going to continue <laughs> that that trend here. Because to me, The Undertaker, and what professional wrestling to me, it's not about move sets, it's not about spots, it's about personas, it's about moments. So when you think of someone, especially like The Undertaker, it is about a moment. And I'm going to one that's very dear to my heart, and it's just not that long ago, uh, him and Roman Reigns, WrestleMania. Mm. And during that entrance when... It might have been the 36 spicy garlic wings. It might have been the handle of fireball <laughs> that I put down during the pre-show. I don't know. Whatever it was, when he made that entrance, something hit me in that moment. What he has meant to me as a pro wrestling fan, being involved in whatever, from on the other side of the rail to next to the ring, whatever it might be, what he has meant to me in a room full of probably other 10 to 12 other adults, I cried. Because I thought, you know, this really could be the last time. It emotionally hit me. When I say cried, I cried. I bawled my eyes out for that walk. So that's one of those moments that memories. And that's truly what we, that's what The Undertaker should mean to all of us. It's moments. It's memories. It's the mystique. It is a feeling. It is beyond anything that you see inside the ring. He defines professional wrestling. That is The Undertaker. Well, that's interesting because my, my pick is going to kind of embody both of your uh, picks and moments here, guys. So mine comes from March 28th of 2010 from WrestleMania 26. We are talking The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, this was essentially Shawn's retirement match in the WWE. And uh, you want to talk a great match between two guys. I mean, just the, the, the I love the way that this uh, was booked leading into it. And I thought the match itself was absolutely perfect. So there were some great spots. And I mean, just to, to end that match off, I mean, wow. I mean, you want to talk about a, a WrestleMania, an emotional moment uh, between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Like, basically, Undertaker saying to him, you know, you're, you're one tough son of a bitch and you put on a, we put on a really good match. You know, and just, uh, I mean, damn. I mean, that that's, I watched that back the, this afternoon before coming on here and recording. I mean, 
similar to Rick with the, the Roman Reigns moment, uh, almost kind of in tears, uh, emotional. I mean, uh, just it's, uh, and that's one thing that the Undertaker has always been really good at, and just uh, kind of eliciting that emotional response and getting you invested in that moment. I mean, that that's still one to this day that really stands out to me. I love and that I will match. have to say that uh, just like Rick, I have cried at an Undertaker <laughs> entrance as well. Um, yeah. I'll give it to you super quick here. It was live. I saw it live. Um, I was at SummerSlam 2004 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I had gone to the bathroom as they did Diva Dodgeball. I figured it would be uh, enough time for me to go. It was not. I am running down the uh, corridor trying to get back to my seat after going to the bathroom and washing my hands. Yes, washing my hands. That's good too. And I'm in the hallway and I hear that first dong and i'm like gong you mean gong right i, I was no. gonna say gong not dong. that's the, you don't want to hear gongs in a bathroom <laughs> no no no, no. I, I, okay <laughs> i don't know what you guys heard i heard this that is, first this gong. is a pg show guys come on no, just kidding. <laughs> so yeah that first gong hits oh too good and um <laughs> Oh, fantastic. And I, I ran. I literally ran to get back to the, the entranceway uh, to where my, my seat was. And I, I couldn't do anything but stop, stand there, and watch. Because uh, my, my seat was actually facing the entrance ramp. So it was fantastic. I was able just to kind of stop, stand, and watch this as it happened. And yes, tears filled my eyes. And I cried just being in that atmosphere of... The Undertaker walking down that ramp, total darkness, light just right. Like it was, it was something to experience. Like that was fantastic and so, so emotional. Yeah. I mean, that entrance will always kind of stand up as probably one of the best of all time. All right, guys, let us, um, you know what? Let's, we still have a little bit of time here. Let's, um, take a brief break here uh let's hear from our friends over at thechairshot.com and we'll be right back with our showstopper segment why should you visit thechairshot.com thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews news opinion and analysis with attitude why because you're smarter than the average fan thechairshot.com always use your head all right, guys, uh, Mighty Joe back here on Termical Talk with Car Careful and Mr. Richard Bronson Vickery. It is time for our showstopper segment. All right, so let me pull up the graphic here and let us talk about uh, probably one of the most talked about topics when it comes to the undertaker we're talking about the streak and the question is another topic for our showstopper segment this week is should the undertaker have remained undefeated or should the the streak have remained uh intact Uh, i will start off with my co-host returning mr carl carafo what do you think about the streak should it uh have stood the way it is or do you like how it kind of played out i've said it before and i'll say it again uh it should have stayed intact uh, I, I, it's, it's just, I don't know. I like 
for me, it's just something that, that I think should have definitely stayed intact. Like it was, it was, it was a staple. It was every year we knew going into WrestleMania that the Undertaker was going to win, and we knew that that streak wasn't going to be broken, and that you know he was at WrestleMania that we got the very best Undertaker that we've ever seen. Because he always wins at WrestleMania because he gives his absolute everything at WrestleMania. And then to have it broken kind of broke me a little bit. And then to see him come back again after that just kind of felt like this isn't the same Undertaker anymore. And it just it really took away from from the undertaker character a little bit, I guess you could say when it came to doing matches at like WrestleMania. So I think that it should have stood the test of time and that it should never have been broken. See this one for the, for the longest time, I always felt that the undertaker streak should have remained intact, but my opinion on this has kind of changed over the, the last little while because I look at the moment that 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 happened at WrestleMania 30 when when Brock uh, beat the Undertaker. I mean, you could just see in the crowd the fans, legitimate Paul Heyman, looking legitimately shocked that this had uh, had occurred. And I, and I, and I think on uh, the guy that he lost to, Brock Lesnar, and I, I think that that moment kind of. I mean, Brock was already a, a really big star, but I think that that giving him that title of the guy to finally break the Undertaker streak, I think really kind of launched him into another kind of stratosphere of popularity. And I mean, uh, after that, I mean, Brock was a big draw for a long time. And I think largely because of this moment. And I, I think that the Undertaker was willing to um, to take that bullet. And as in other times, you know, Undertaker was not afraid to, to make his opponent arguably look better than he did. So I, I think that that... Having said that, I think that I would have liked the streak to have remained intact, but I'm okay with the way that it happened, just given the outcome and the the star that it built out of Brock Lesnar. What do you think, Rick? You know, in the real time, living in the moment, so easy for so many of us to say we wish it would have continued on. But, you know, very comparable in baseball when DiMaggio 56-game hit streak, we don't talk about that 57th game. Mm Mm-hmm. When it comes to greats, Barry Sanders, we don't talk that he's the all-time leader in yards for loss for a running back. We we remember the great moments when he would just come out of nowhere and bust a long run there. It, it's about the, looking back at history, how you define yourself. We're always going to have 21-0. You have that run inside itself. It's amazing. You know, We don't talk about Jordan as a wizard. No, You, you remember him as a bull. So when you're looking back on history, it's going to redefine itself. We're going to live in the 21 moment. Uh, you know, even since losing that, just that one, how many, two Roman, I know, I believe that's the only other one. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So there's two losses in there. I wonder inside of itself, you, you look at the man himself and trying to eventually realizing he has to step away from professional wrestling. He has to leave the ring. He has to become his real life self, that counterpart. If that kind of helps him ease that in. You know, you retire undefeated at WrestleMania. Can you ever leave that legacy? Is each loss a step away from that, from the Undertaker to Mark? Where you can transition from the world of professional wrestling is, you know, we put him over here. Anyone and everyone should put him over the respect for them, what the man has given. Is this a way from him transitioning to say, let me become just one of you now. Let me be a man instead of the myth. No, no, I agree one hundred percent, and and just to to kind of 
um, kind of bring things full circle to our original topic. For, for me, my lasting kind of memory from The Undertaker is actually something relatively simple. Uh, it's not really necessarily all the, the WrestleMania moments and all that kind of stuff. The, the big thing that will always stand out to me is just seeing this big, almost seven foot tall guy over 300 pounds climbing up that turnbuckle and walking across that rope and then coming down with a, with that fist to, to, to land on top of these guys. It's just that, that, that kind of stuff is something that, that will always stand out in my mind as memory with the undertaker did just th- th- this guy that th- just that moment uh, of do- doing that and just with everything else. I'm even just a, uh, seeing him walk across that top rope is still something I, I think is something that people don't really appreciate for a big guy to be able to do something like that. That's something relatively simple. That's something that, that will always stand out for me about the undertaker, him watching, walking across that top rope and coming down on his opponents, old school undertaker. That's where I love. That's what I always remember. What do you, what's your lasting memories of, uh, Carl before we, uh, of undertaker Carl before we uh, head off? I, I honestly, I think it's just, it's just that, that aura yeah. That that was that was around the Undertaker. Just that entrance really just just kind of moved everybody, and and kind of it made everybody kind of feel together. As as dark and ominous as that entrance was was supposed to be, it kind of felt like it was more of a um, a little glimmer of hope for people, I guess you could say. And everybody just kind of really came together and was quiet and was just felt like they were one in that moment. And, uh, for me, that's, um, yeah, that's just, I don't know. That's it just, that entrance has always just stuck with me and it's always just been an emotional entrance for me, at least. I mean, other people, you know, might not, you know, they're just like, eh, whatever, like this is, it's so long and, you know, he always <laughs> takes his time and, you know, just get on with it. But for me, I emotionally felt that entrance and that's, uh, I don't know, that's, that's, that I'm always going to have that memory of the Undertaker's entrance. You know, if there was anybody that earned that ability or just being able to have a bit of a longer entrance and kind of make it that epic kind of moment it's it's the undertaker he he earned being able to to do that and i mean just that went beyond like an entrance that was almost kind of borderline almost kind of like a religious kind of moment with a lot of fans i mean the the undertaker's entrance is something that will stand the test of time as just something that to be kind of in awe of and then that's another standout thing that, that will always, always uh, be etched in my memory. What are your final thoughts on the Undertaker, uh, Rick, before we head off? Well, I'd say, you know, just for everybody, pro wrestling, uh, it, it crosses borders. And if you can learn from the Undertaker is no matter what you're doing, respect it and protect your business. Very well said. All right, before we do uh, go, though, uh, Rick, I'll give you another, uh, give you kind of someone's kind of the final word here. Uh, let us know, uh, of course, we're on the HTM Podcast Network here. Let us know what you and uh, Jargo have in mind for the uh, the Hitting the Marks podcast uh, this week. Well, you know, of course, you get the plugs in there, uh, hittingthemarks.com, where you can catch Turnbuckle Talk. You can catch me and Michael Jargo on the Hitting the Marks podcast, uh, making my return this Monday, well, one week from today, uh, on the Hameen Media Group platform to the Monday Locker Room, which is uh, you can pick up that on hackerhameen.podbean.com. You can also pick up our affiliate channels where you can pick up me and Jargo on HTM at the Hameen Media Group.podbean.com. Uh, personally, they can keep up with me across all social media at the Real RBV. But this week on the Hitting Marks podcast, uh, we've got so much going on. You know, it is it is a potpourri now. We've kind of reinvented the show. The kind of the big theme is the uh, the election day depression. 
election depression, that's not just necessarily what you think it is. You know, we're really going to break in and examine. We're looking at Google Trends. People are looking where to drink, what they can eat. You know, again, that does great for my business, RBV Fitness. But we're bringing an actual true pro to let people know how they can cope with this thing. Stevie Richards is going to be with us, and he's going to be sharing some uh, some keys and details about how you can keep yourself there, especially going into the new year, the holidays right here, and all these good eats that are going to be around the corner. Stevie Richards Fitness is going to be joining us. He's got the yoga program. So, again, look forward to that. We're going to sit down this evening. That's going to be dropping tomorrow morning. You can pick that at hittingthemarks.com or at hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. And of course, including the two minute drill with our friend uh, Ryan K. Bowman as part of that uh, show as well. I love that that segment as well. All right, uh, Carl, Rick, it's uh, time to, to wrap up the episode here. We will see you guys on the next one. It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at hittingthemarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows we have You can find that all at hittingthemarks.com. Run. I'll take, I'll take care of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Oh, sorry. I, I thought my mic was muted. It was not. <laughs>